and Luke. Who are you? Uh, okay, then. Ron Wolfley. Ron Wolfley. What is up? <laughs> Witch buster. Extraordinaire. Love that guy. Luke Lipinski. He sounds pretty good. He sounds pretty articulate. Wolf and Luke. 98.7 FM. Arizona's Sports Station. Live from the Auction Community Studio on this Thursday morning. It is the Wolf and Luke Show. Wolf, how's it going over there? It's going great, man. How you doing, Luke? <laughs> doing great over Got here. About a breath right there, right? Yeah, nothing like a good wind sprint out to the car and up the stairs, and then uh, only to find. I'm just going to tell you how the show is going to go for me today. Okay? Yeah. Okay. Good. So I come in here <laughs> yeah, for right. the show, and I'm like, wait, I don't have my headphones or my mics. On. Okay. So you don't have the headphones right now. That is a problem broadcasting, especially too, because you don't want to wear somebody else's dirty, filthy. Nasty headphones. Yes. <laughs> so you can see my motivation. So I sprint down to the car. Right. Sprint past our new program director. He's like, what are you doing? Sprint back up the stairs, back in here. Can't find the headphones or the, the mic sock anywhere. It's right next to you because I did mock my world like you four got, minutes ago. Oh, my goodness, right there. That is, yeah. boy, that's a, that's your bad right there. It that is. It's just bad. Look at now, all of a sudden, you're all out of breath. You're sweating. You got the sauce going here in Studio Shangri-La. Yeah, that's bad. Well, that's because it's on 95 degrees in here. Yes. That's why. <laughs> no, no, it is not, yes, as a matter of is. fact. We do need to lower it, though, because it is hot. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, what's going on with Bickley and Murata? I mean, honestly, they got this thing all torched up in here. I like the lighting better, though, in here. Okay, that's not, good. It's not quite as ridiculous. All right, Wolf, so how are you doing? Um, I'm doing great, man. Seriously. Okay, good. Why do you ask? To take the attention off me so I can go get the mic sock. <laughs> so thanks for the one-second answer. Do you want to talk about the Phoenix Suns? Is that what you want to talk about? Yes. The Suns? I always want to talk about the Suns. Against the Warriors mm-hmm. last night, man. I can tell you. Okay, the franchise record. That's cool. Tying the franchise record, of course. 62-14. and 14. I, I think going into this game, we talked about it. And yeah, that's cool tying it. And those are milestones. But this team, for the most part, doesn't care about milestones. I, I really believe that in the end i mean they'll ignite has them of course um it is an accomplishment uh the kind of season that they've had has been a slam dunk and of course they're going to acknowledge all of that but in the end i think we all understand where this is headed and i think the suns feel the players when i say the suns i'm talking about the players inside that locker room i think they are in a collision course a crash course if you will with the nba finals there were a couple things that stood out from last night's game one of them was the suns did not play their best basketball at all by any means and they still beat golden state in golden state uh you could you could make the case that a, quite a few suns players actually had maybe some one of their worst games of the season other than like Mikel bridges booker ended up with 22 points but he shot five of 21 so not exactly the most efficient 22 points and yet they still won the game anyway the other way you could look at it i guess wolf maybe we'll get on the into this more throughout the show but I would say, what, at least two, maybe three of the Suns' most uncharacteristic performances this season have come against Golden State. So I don't know if that is just simply coincidence, if it's if it's, uh, if it's it's something Golden State did, although last night I didn't really think Golden State did anything all that impressive. 
Um, if it's a matter of, you know, you get up that much more for those games against Golden State, maybe you're trying to do a little too much. Although when we've seen the Suns get up for games this season, the results have been good just about 100% of the time. And again, they did win the game last night. Yeah, they did. But, you know, Devin Booker was missing open shots. I mean, I Book would tell you this. Yeah. I know Book would tell you this. Nobody played well for the Phoenix Suns, except Mikael Bridges, yep. I think, honestly. Um, they still beat Golden State. Now, I know they didn't have Steph Curry. I understand that. But nobody played well for the Phoenix Suns, and they still beat the Golden State Warriors. You already mentioned Devin Booker and his bad shooting night. DeAndre Ayton was 7 of 17 from the floor. He did not bust a grape either. Um, He had five turnovers in this game and one foul in 35 minutes. This is your big man inside. Five turnovers and one foul. Listen, you know how much I love DA. I this guy, this guy has totally won me over when it when it comes to his personality, when it comes to the man that he is, when it comes to the player that he is. Um, he has won me over. I still, I still expect him to get more physical and maybe this is a pipe dream maybe this is just an absolute pipe dream by me but i still expect deandre ayton to get more physical and when i see him go out there he's got one foul in 35 minutes i i i don't even know how that happens right there honestly this was a finesse game this was not a physical game last night this was, this was not the 76ers. This was a finesse game last night. And you would think DeAndre Ayton would do really, really well in that situation. I thought D.A. should add 30, 35 points in this game. Well, it's weird seeing DeAndre Ayton shoot 7 of 17. You know, it's not 2 of 17, I get that. But he's typically so close to the basket. You just you expect him, even if he's not going to put up 35 points every night, you still expect him to shoot like... I don't know, 12 of 16 most nights or something. Or, yeah, you know, the whatever, first 12 half, of 18. The first half was just really bad. I'm talking about playing with force once again. Well, I'm not talking about 7 of 17 and his shooting percentage. I'm talking about playing with force. But that's been a that's been an issue his whole hey, career if that's, if that's what you're looking for. As far as I'm concerned, he's gotten way better from when he first showed up here. Way better. Um, watch him without the ball and how he fights without the ball. Typically, it's really, really good. That is forced to me. Watch DeAndre Ayton, not the stats, not the numbers. Watch him. He'll actually look for a guy when the ball goes up. More times than not now, he's actually looking for a guy to put a body on. That that was never the case with DA the first couple of years he was here. True, true. And they still won the game last night. Monty Williams talked about chemistry being the reason why they were able to win games like that. I think the connection of our team is is huge like in this environment uh, that was a playoff environment with the officiating the physicality and their crowd our camaraderie our connection our togetherness is what gets you through especially when you don't shoot the ball well a lot of times in a lot of teams when they don't shoot it well 
things tend to wane a bit. And all of our guys just kept telling each other to hang in there. And they've been like that for a long time. I mean, they, they do everything together, card playing, meeting at each other's homes, and it pays off in, in situations like this when you're on the road. Maybe this is the Suns' version. You know how sometimes people are like, okay, you got to lose a game or two before the playoffs start, right? Which I've never understood in the NBA. I, I kind of get it in March Madness if you're 28-0 or whatever, and it's like, are you really going to run the table all season? Um, you still, I mean, you're not going to try to lose, but you just you wonder, like, if you haven't seen any adversity, what's going to happen in a single elimination game in March Madness? Maybe this is the Suns' version of, of a loss, of they don't look great, but they still win. Because when you're 62 and 14, you don't really have a lot of losses to point to. Yeah, no. I mean, what they do, it's it's incredible. They won the game. They didn't. That's our whole point. They did not play well. They didn't. And I, I would dispute Monty's claim that it was a physical game. Watching that game, I didn't think. I thought two players were physical: Draymond Green and Jay Crowder. Well, it's always physical when Draymond Green. I'm out just there. saying yeah. those two guys. That's where I thought the game was physical. Everyone else. I, I didn't think so. I thought they were baking a cake for the most part. I didn't see a lot of bodies hitting the floor and getting very physical. I, I didn't see that. Maybe, you know, maybe you did, but for me, it was Jay Crowder and it was Draymond Green. Yeah. Those guys getting physical. That was the epicenter of it. And, and it was sort of an insight. We'll get more into Draymond Green later on in the show, but it, it was a good reminder that if this is a best-of-seven series in the playoffs, Draymond Green is going to be like public enemy number one in this city, you know, more that so than, than Patrick Beverly was. Yeah. Bad. That was just Draymond kind of reminding you what he... Think of that over the course... Think of that seven times over the course of two weeks with the season on the line. Like, how frustrated were you with Draymond Green last night as a Suns fan, and that game meant nothing to the Suns? Yes. You know, you tie the franchise record, and that's great, but they would have tied it on Friday, or they, they, they're going going to get the franchise record either way and he was still that frustrating to you and that is the other thing about it you know the golden state warriors wanted to win that game they wanted to win that game badly i know they've been on a a losing streak as of late we all know that what is it seven and 15 in their last 22 games now seven and 16 ron wolfley doing math live on the air in their last 23 (laughs) games um yeah, they're not playing well, but last night, I will promise you, they wanted to win that game badly. Isn't that right, Draymond Green, going out there and, and dusting it up with Jay Crowder? And he's just talking the entire game as well. And listen, I, I know Draymond Green's one of those guys, if he plays for you, you love him. And if he plays for somebody else, you just can't stand it, what he's like. And some of the cheap stuff he does, I'm, I'm not crazy about that. He's a really, really smart basketball player, super smart basketball player. But he does some cheap stuff as well. That really bothers me. It's going to bother you more in the playoffs. Exactly. So just be ready for that. And it's going to bother Jay Crowder, too. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, But still, a win's a win for the Suns and Golden State now since Christmas. Have you seen the Warriors record since Christmas? 21-23. and So below five hundred, and that's half the season. That's more than half the season. That's not just a, oh, Golden State's having a rough week or, you know, it's been a tough two weeks without Steph. They're 21-23, and which is not terrible, it's not Lakers bad, but that team below 500 for half the season. If anybody can flip the switch, it's them. I will grant you that. But that, I mean, now it, it will 100% be just flipping the switch from basically being mediocre for four months to suddenly being the, you know, one of the top teams in the playoffs. Yeah, okay. 
You got your win back. I did. I can't uh, sign in to see anything on the screen, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say this right now. When we come okay. back, um, so Tom Brady retired and then unretired, and now his head coach is not retiring but not coaching. We'll explain all that next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Northwest Upstate New York. The Pacific Northwest. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Another plot twist in Tampa Bay this offseason. Wolf, we're looking at uh, we're, we're looking at the uh, Buccaneers press conference right now. This is not the most Bruce Arians thing you've ever seen. He's up there at the podium with what I, I, certainly looks like a cigar in his his uh, shirt pocket. Yes, <laughs> as he's doing this not retirement retirement announcement. I, I'm saying with certitude, I think it is a cigar. Okay, look. well there it is then. Yes. Um, you know what, B.A. looks good, ladies and gentlemen. He looks um, spelt, uh, a little bit thin right here. Um, he looks healthy to me, Bruce Arians. And I am glad to see that because that was one of my concerns when I first heard this. When the news came yeah. down, we all know yep. B.A. had his dust up here. He's 69 years old, of course. And it's not like B.A. has, <laughs> and he would tell you this, first and foremost, it's not like he's taking care of his body very well. He's not on the Chris Paul vegan <laughs> diet, the Tom Brady, watch every single thing you drink he or eat. He definitely would tell you that. So, so it's good to see that B.A. is okay, that he's healthy, he's got the cigar, he's going to go out and smoke it, of course, after. He might light it up during the press conference. Exactly. So, you know what? Um, I'm glad in terms of that. This, though, is weird, isn't it? The, the, the whole timing of this is weird. I did not see this coming, that Bruce Arians was going to walk away now. There are reports that are out there that this was the plan all along. (laughs) Boy, they did a good job of hiding that plan. Yeah, I mean, depending who you believe, Tom Brady knew either the day he announced his unretirement or the day after. That sort of seems to be the the thought, that it was right in in that range. He he knew B.A. was leaving. Uh, Here's Peter King today saying Arians just wanted to make sure he had everything in place before he left. From Arians' standpoint, he always wanted to leave this team to the guys who he who had coached with him for a long time or who he knew for a long time. Todd Bowles, uh, going back to the days in Arizona before Todd Bowles got the Jets job, Bruce Arians loves Todd Bowles, loves him. And he wanted to make sure that if he left this team, that he was going to be able to give it to a coach who he knew and respected and he was going to be able to do it while the 31 coaches and staff people he had were taken care of. That makes an awful lot of sense right there, and that is Bruce Arians. Truly um, a walking, talking paradox, ladies and gentlemen. He is so old school in some areas, it's not even funny. And yet at the same time, he's so hyper-progressive, it's not even funny. That is a paradox. He is a walking, talking paradox. And I truly believe what Peter King said right there is accurate. Um, It is weird, though. Again, almost in April, after free agency, and now B.A. is moving upstairs? What happened? (laughs) 
That's weird. Well, it is. I mean, yeah, it's it's completely weird. Free agency is done, like you said, or not done, but I mean, the main impact players have been signed. It certainly has started. You would think if a coach was going to retire, they would retire before free agency begins. Um, I know B.A. is saying he's not retiring. He's moving into another position within the organization. He made some comments that he wanted to do this now to make sure that Todd Bowles was inheriting a good team and not like, okay, the season goes badly and then B.A. retires and then Todd Bowles might not even get the job. You know what I mean? He kind of, he kind of, at least is framing it, and, and I don't have any reason to not believe Bruce Arians on this given his track record. He's kind of framing it like, yeah, I'm doing this now so I make sure Todd Bowles gets this job so yeah. he's the head coach going forward of so, a good team. So in other words, what you're saying is if Tom Brady does not come back, Bruce Arians is going to be the head coach of this team going forward because he didn't want to leave Todd Bowles in a position where now he's going to be the head coach or the interim head coach or whatever you want to call him at that point in time where you're trying to find a quarterback and we all understand how how important it is for a franchise in the NFL to find a quarterback. So he didn't want Todd Bowles to go through that. Now that Tom Brady came back, you're saying that B.A. said, oh, you know what? Now he's in really good hands. Tom Brady coming back to play quarterback. Now all of a sudden Todd Bowles will have a chance to win right from the get-go and prove that he is a really good head coach before all the mess happens. Yeah. And the mess is no Tom Brady, and you're trying to find a franchise quarterback. You're you're running Kyle Trask out there. No offense to Kyle Correct. Trask, who we don't know anything about. I'm sure I'm sure people talked about Tom Brady the same way before Tom Brady ever played for the Patriots. But yeah, I think that's it, right? And, and the real question is, if Bruce Arians wasn't going to retire, would Tom Brady have come back? Like, which which one triggered the other? Or are they just yeah, there's a, completely separate? There is, a, there is a report that is out there. I think Pro Football Talk actually pointed to it. There was a report that is out there that Tom Brady, you're saying Tom Brady knew that B.A. was going to retire or, or got tipped off, and that's why he came back? I, it kind of seems like that's at least a possibility, doesn't it? I, it's a possibility. Of course it's a possibility, but... Man, if ever there was a guy that I thought Tom Brady would get along with, yeah. it would be B.A., especially coming from Bill Belichick. Listen, I know both these guys pretty well <laughs> and, and played for Bill Belichick, of course. Not the same guy. And what do you mean? Th- those two are not the same guy at all. They are not the same guy. Oh, my goodness. One extreme to the other. Bill Belichick, you know... He was legendary, especially early on in his career, man. When he was, when he was a defensive coordinator with the Giants, when he was with the Cleveland Browns, I can tell you right now, this was a guy that was up and at the facility maybe four o'clock in the morning and would go home at 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> BA, 4.30, baby. Here we go, 4.30. At five o'clock somewhere, baby. Um, you know, <laughs> I'm guessing that hasn't changed. I, I, I'm just saying, those guys were so different right there. I'll, I'll never forget this. Um, I got called into a meeting with Bill Belichick, ladies and gentlemen, and here I am, uh, the special teams captain. I'm coming into his office. Bill Belichick is on the treadmill. He's eating a banana on the treadmill. Okay, the year was 1992, and I was playing for the Cleveland Browns, and I was in Bill Belichick's office, 
Bill was actually on the treadmill running, jogging, I think is a better way to describe it, eating a banana while he was watching film in front of him. (laughs) Think about that. Bill Belichick on the treadmill eating a banana, of course, and watching tape. It was an incredible, incredible thing about Bill. You can bring that down right now, Mal. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. The year was 1992. I was playing for the Browns. Um, this is who the guy is. Tom Brady, by all accounts, is exactly the same way. Yeah. This is a grinder extraordinaire that maybe nobody's ever known or nobody's ever seen in this league. That kind of grinder, and maybe maybe that chapped Tom Brady a little bit. But, man, coming from Bill Belichick and, and Bruce Arians, who's very liberal in his approach to actually coaching a team. Now, he's old school, like I said, through and through, yet he's very open-minded, especially when it comes to, hey, if you get your work in, get out of here. Maybe Tom Brady wasn't down with that. Quickly, uh, here's a, a clip from Mike Tannenbaum saying Brady may actually be more comfortable with Todd Bowles than he was with Bruce Arians. If I'm the Buccaneers, I think I've improved my chances of keeping Tom Brady in the future. I've worked for Coach Belichick. I've worked with Coach Bowles. Todd Bowles is his own man, but he's much more similar to Bill Belichick and his style than what Bruce Arians was. And I think watching the situation there, Tom Brady's going to be more comfortable in that environment. So if I'm the Buccaneers, I actually think this is a tremendous positive. And the other thing, guys, when you think about Pierre Paul and Dominican Sue, we talk about the aura of association and how offensive players are going to want to play for Tom Brady. Likewise, those defensive players, those free agents, if they don't get what they want on the market, playing for Todd Bowles is going to be a massive positive. So I think this is a big, big win for Tampa, not just short-term, but long-term. See, that all makes a lot of sense logically. But then am I to believe Tom Brady wasn't as comfortable for the last uh, two seasons when they had a really good team last year and won the Super Bowl the year before? Am I, am I supposed to believe that Tom Brady didn't really feel like he was being optimized and now, now with Todd Bowles, the Buccaneers are going to be even better. I, I mean, you know, Brady seemed fine the last two years. Yeah, you know, it's so interesting to hear. That. Who said that? Who Mike Tannenbaum. That? that was Mike Tannenbaum, basically. It's Mike Tannenbaum actually said that. Um, Todd Bowles and Bill Belichick are a lot alike because they're really not screamers. B.A., oh my goodness, B.A. was going to coach you hard, man. He was going to coach you hard. It's one of the reasons why I love going to practice. I would go over and just listen to Bruce Arians, and he would coach some players really, really hard. I'll never forget the first year he was here in 2013. Day three of training camp, he lit up Larry Fitzgerald in front of everybody. He lit up Larry Fitzgerald for not blocking, not going at a pace that he should. In training camp, day three, in front of everybody, and I'll never forget it. And Larry Fitzgerald, to his credit, to his credit, never held it against B.A. Took it like the humble human being that he is. 
just an incredible testament to Larry Fitzgerald, number one, but also number two, B.A. was trying to send a message to everybody else. I'm in charge here. I'm the alpha male. And guess what? I'll rip this guy. And if I'll rip this guy, do you think I'll rip you? Number 52 on the roster? You better believe it. I mean, he came out and essentially blamed Tom Brady after their first ever game together when they lost to New Orleans to start the 2020 season. Yes. In the post-game press conference. They had Brady didn't hard. execute. Yeah. It's like a warm blanket on a cold winter's night. And then they won the Super Bowl anyway. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Okay, just how much has Chris Paul changed the trajectory of Devin Booker's career? Devin Booker had some thoughts on that. We'll get to those next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Home of the Suns, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. And listen live on the Arizona Sports app. Wolf and Luke. The Suns run to the playoffs. Presented by Canvas Annuity. I'm just a shot away from you. And if you leave here, you leave me. I feel like we almost take it for granted now here in the Valley. Just the evolution of Devin Booker. In the last two years, Wolf, ever since Chris Paul got here, because Devin Booker was already good, borderline great. We already had these conversations two years ago before Chris Paul got here that Devin Booker was being overlooked nationally, which was pretty true, honestly, at the time. But he was not the player two years ago that he is today. That's I don't think that's disputable. I think Devin Booker 100% would, would totally say that if agree. he were here. Not even close. Uh, and so, yesterday, after the game, after a very ugly win, but a win nonetheless over the Golden State Warriors, Devin Booker talked about that, how much Chris Paul has changed the trajectory of his career. Everything. Um, it, it's changed the trajectory of of my career. Um, always being a, a fan first, you know, and then getting the, the behind the scenes, you know. Everybody gets to see what, what he's been doing on the court for the past 20 years. Um, but nobody gets to see the behind the scenes of it. And, you know, I'm, I'm privileged, you know, to, to be able to see it every day and just be a sponge to it. You know, learn, pick up things, you know, even, not even through conversation, just watching. Um, and it's been, it's been the biggest help, not just for me, but for everybody on this team. Do you see what humility does for you, my young crunk brothers? Do you see what it can do? I love what he just said right there. To see it every day. This is why I say you need people to model your culture. People that walk around. You need people to model it for you. But the fact that Devin Booker said, just sponge it all up. (laughs) That takes humility to do that. That takes a human being looking at themselves saying, you know what? I don't know everything. I don't. And I need to watch this guy. And I need to soak it all in. It's called humility, and it will do wonderful things for you. Humility is a wonderful master. Never forget that, my young crunks. It's one of the most impressive things about Devin Booker, because I remember having these conversations when it it looked like the Suns were going to bring Chris Paul in. And there was that one subset of of basketball fans that were like, "Ah, how does Devin Booker feel about this? And I just remember thinking, the fact that they're about to do this means Devin Booker's all in on this. I mean, mm-hmm. a decision like that, when Devin Booker is the player he's been and, and the performance he put together in the bubble and the team put together in the bubble, there's no way you're bringing in Chris Paul without talking to Devin Booker. But yes. it's so much more than that. Devin Booker's like, bring this guy in. And, and and that's the humility you're talking about is one of the biggest keys to why Devin Booker is as good as he is. It, it would have been easy for Devin Booker 
as individually impressive as he had been the first, what would that have been now, five years of his career, to be like, that's great, bring Chris Paul in, uh, he'll play better, we'll win. But Chris Paul can't teach me anything. I'm the guy now. Exactly. I'm entering my prime. Chris exactly. Paul's been in the... And instead, I mean, well, if we even saw... Like, you watch those Instagram live videos that the players are putting out from the plane rides home, and Booker and Chris Paul are always sitting next to each other. <laughs> I love it, man. I we, love it. We talked about this last year. You could hear Chris Paul do interviews, and then you could hear Devin Booker, who we're all extremely <laughs> familiar with, talk and be like, he's kind of sounding a little more like Chris Paul. And Chris Paul's only been here for a month. Yeah, you know, once again, it's a it's a great thing to see. It truly is. When you've got the talent of Devin Booker, and Devin Booker, as we all know, is an all-star. That's what he is. And he's always had this incredible ability, this incredible talent. It's been on display since he showed up here. Even in his early years where all the losing was going on, man, you could just see the raw talent of Devin Booker right here. And there's a lot of guys, especially Book, who was getting paid at that point in time that would have not liked to bring somebody the stature of Chris Paul into this locker room and suddenly yield to that guy. Mm-hmm. I'm just How many times have we seen this? Come on now. There have been a lot of young guys in particular coming up that had this incredible talent that didn't want to have to yield, so to speak, to anybody else. That's Devin Booker, and that's his humility, and it's one of his strides. Even best case in a lot of those situations, you'll have the young guy like Devin Booker. Okay, yeah, you can bring that guy in, but this is my team. I know what I'm doing. He can fit in around me. I'll be the one teaching people stuff here. Look at what I've done. I have 70 points against Boston. Look at the the numbers I've put up. We've seen that around the league a lot where, okay, I'm not going to hate this new guy that's coming in. He, He might help us win, but this is my team. It's never felt like Devin Booker looks around like, no, this is my team. And, and there was any sort of like territorial yes. debate. And I don't think Chris Paul would have come in and been like, this is my team. In fact, Chris Paul sort of implied it when he first came in. Like, no, this is Devin Booker's team. I'm just trying to, yeah. to get everybody over the top. You know, I, I will say this right now, that um, doing a little research on that and talking to some of the guys that I respect an awful lot about that, there's no doubt about it, though. Chris Paul, the day that he showed up, Chris Paul knows exactly who he is. And it's one of the reasons why he actually has moved around a little bit too is because Chris Paul is a guy that you're going to do it this way or we're not going to do it. I he's he's very he's very definitive in what it is that he does. And that's what the Suns needed. And that's I mean, they're, they're exactly just, just... what they needed. And it's one of the reasons why Chris Paul is also involved heavily in the union as the president of the players. But there is that moment and you can almost even flip this over to the Cardinals for a second. And, and that potential meeting between Michael Bidwell and, and Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury that either did or didn't happen. But that moment where everybody sits down and they're like, okay, what we're doing, we've hit our ceiling. What do we got to do to change it? And the Suns, interestingly enough, were coming off that 8-0 run in the bubble, which was their high point for the previous 10 years, but they still didn't make the playoffs, right? I mean, that, that actual season, that full season before the, the, the shutdown and everything, 
they were well below 500. So you get the sense that Monty Williams and Devin Booker and those guys looked around and they're like, Chris Paul could come here and help us. Maybe it's a little bit different than what we've been doing, and maybe that's what we need. And now look at them, 62-14 and 14 after just going to the finals uh, last year, and they, they sure look like the the, uh, the main title threat in the Western Conference this year, too. ASU Baseball is in full swing. Ahead to the contest page on ArizonaSports.com for your chance to win tickets. See the Sun Devils take on Cal this weekend. Coming up. According to reports, the Cardinals brought in a receiver yesterday for a visit. So what are our thoughts on Malik Turner, and what does it mean for that room if they do keep him? We'll get into it next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. The world is a vampire. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. One of the more underrated grunge bands of all time, Ron Wolfley reporting. Just saying. Google it, my young crunks. Aren't they still, they're still touring, aren't they? Oh, I'm sure they are. Smashing pumpkins. Here we go. Do they smash pumpkins on stage? I have no idea if they do. But there's been a lot of brains that have been actually injured, I'm sure. Some of their concerts have been out of control. That mosh pit? Oh, yeah. And here it comes. I'm just saying. Here we go. Anyone want to play some football? Let's go. Give me the eye black. Get out of my way. And you, especially you, sit down and shut it. (laughs) This is one of those bands where their name sounds like something that Vince Murata came up with in conversation. Like somebody said, oh, we should be Smashing Pumpkins. And Vince is like, that's a good band name. Let's write that down. And then the Smashing Pumpkins ran with it. Yes. I haven't heard that song in a while. Uh, Malik Turner. How do you feel about Malik Turner visiting the Arizona I really don't Cardinals? know too much about Malik Turner. Know that he's 26 years old. Know that he's got some size to him. He is a legitimate 6'2". He's over 200 pounds. Um, that's good. If, in fact, you want to get that Y, um, you want to get that Z receiver, I should say, where you want to split him out outside of the Y which is the tight end for the most part. Um, yeah, you know what? You've got D-Hop as your ex on the other side of the field. you got a guy with some size, and I think that's why they probably brought him in, um, is more of a depth guy on the outside because he's also a good teams player. That, for the most part, is where he's played the vast majority of snaps on special teams. Yeah, so he he is visiting with the Cardinals or has visited with the Cardinals. They haven't officially signed him or anything yet. Um, This would be another depth move, though, for sure. This is not like, hey, we solved our receiver uh, conundrum. Um, It is interesting, Wolf, because it, it almost feels like like when you have a list of stuff you got, you have to get done, right? And you've got the one big thing, and you're like, it's like when you know if you had to study for a test in college or something, like I don't want to do that. So all of a sudden, you'll do every other thing to avoid doing that. That, I'm not saying that's what the Cardinals are doing right now, but it feels like they're just like, well, let's get everything else done before we get that number two receiver. Let's just fill out everything else on the roster, which is fine, because then as long as you get that number two receiver, you've taken care of everything. Yeah. But that number two receiver, the, the deeper we go into this, is the most is becoming, to me, the most glaring opening on this team. Like They're obviously going to add somebody there. You can make a case 
that they're not going to add another corner of significance. You could make a case they may just draft an edge rusher. You can make a case that they're going to try all these different things to get sacks. There's no way they're not bringing in somebody to be the number two receiver. Yeah, you know, I, honestly, it all depends on Rondell Moore and how you feel about Rondell Moore being the number two receiver. Um, that, to me, his development, of course, and how he develops as a vertical receiver down the field. We've been talking about this now for weeks. That, to me, these guys have a much better expectation on Rondell Moore than any of us will ever have because they know what they're seeing with Rondell Moore. They know if he's capable of actually doing it. So this offseason is critical. It's just critical for Rondell Moore and some other guys. Isaiah Simmons, once again, to actually have an offseason. Zayvon Collins, to actually have an offseason where you can grow and go out on the field and actually get better and train your eyes while you're practicing. Practice, man. Uh, You know, I mean, this is... This is important stuff for a young guy that is developing right now. But if you're talking about free agents, I I, 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 I despise myself for actually saying this. I reject myself. But, man, I'd love to bring Will Fuller in here. <laughs> I would. You've been tiptoeing around that for a couple I, I weeks. I know, and I have been. <laughs> I know. But he wants a 4-3, a legitimate 4-3, and I I get the fact he's been all banged up, and I understand he's missed games, but hey, <laughs> he runs a 4-3, <laughs> all right? And I'm just saying, he's 28 years old, Um, he has had some decent years, in this league, there's no denying that. Playing with DeAndre and Hopkins. He's playing, he'd be playing with D-Hop once again. And oh, by the way, um, did I say he ran a 4-3? <laughs> you may have mentioned that once or twice, yeah. And you'd be able to get him on the cheap? I truly believe that. And I think this is what they need more than anything else, an insurance policy in terms of, okay, maybe Rondell Moore does not pan out as a guy that can run over the top of D-Hop. Well, maybe Will Fuller. What can you get him for? That's the question. Yeah, see, I I like that a lot more than just going into the season with Rondell Moore and saying, okay, he's going to be that guy because... And you know my 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 general philosophy on this. If you're going into the season saying Rondale Moore's gonna be the guy as our number two receiver, let's say Zayvon Collins is gonna be the starter there, Jeff Gladney's gonna be the starter there, you want that stuff to be true. Can you count on all of that being true to the point where you can contend for a Super Bowl this year? Because this team is built with the idea of contending for a Super Bowl this year. Now, whether you're laughing right now and you're saying, okay, they don't have a chance to win the Super Bowl. You got J.J. Watt right now. Like, J.J. Watt's not sitting here being like, okay, let's develop all these young players and in three years we can try and win. Kyler Murray, you've got, at least at the moment, on a pretty good deal. And Kyler Murray's, you would think, up until the last couple games last year, looked good enough to be somebody that could be dangerous in the playoffs. I just, if you're going in with so many guys where you're like, okay, this guy's got to break out and this guy's got to break out, 
maybe it's not realistic, but I would love to be in a position where it's like if Rondale Moore breaks out, the Cardinals just got that much more dangerous. If Zayvon Collins breaks out, they got that much more dangerous. Not they have to for us to, to win games. Yes. Um, you know, you bring this up, Luke, and it immediately comes back to the collapses at the end of the season, in particular last year. The year before that, they didn't have the team that they had last year, in my opinion. 10-2 and two happened. You, you've got to continue to say that. You do. Because it happened. It's, it's exactly why Steve Kime doubled down. The Cardinals doubled down on 10-2. and two, And why they signed Max Williams. And why they signed Zach Ertz. And why they signed James Conner. And why they signed Justin Pugh. They, they literally were acknowledging the fact that they were 10-2. and two. Because I can tell you right now, my brothers, you don't get to be 10-2 and two unless you are a really good team. So what happened? Once again, that is what they're saying is we think we can fix what happened at the end of the season yeah. because we were 10 and 2 and nobody can say they weren't. So doesn't that indicate they feel like they can win right now? Yes. Yeah. So that, yes. that that's what I'm saying. I, it, it's risky when Look, I'm coming to terms with the fact that you can't go in with all of those guys, with Gladney and Rondale Moore and Zayvon Collins, in a position where you've got somebody in front of them, and, and, and if anything they do this year is a bonus. I get that. But I just don't want to go in on week one of the season relying on all of them and Isaiah Simmons and maybe a rookie edge rusher and saying these guys are all going to break out this year. No doubt. Because they're they're... I know people don't feel like they're too good right now because of how the season ended, but you're too good to go into this season being like, okay, we may have to give a couple weeks for this guy to develop, and if this guy makes a mistake, we're in trouble. Like, I would just feel better if Rondale Moore was the number 3 receiver. There there are four guys that are out there right now, four guys that are on the free agent market that I would be interested in, that I would love. This is just me. When I don't sit around and watch tape, but the next time we have this conversation, I'll, I'll reveal those four guys that are out on the free agent market right now that I think the Arizona Cardinals, I'd love to see them kick the tires on. Are they all receivers, or are they all over the field? No, they're all over the okay. field. Um, I'm writing this down right now. I'm going to hold you to it in the 12 o'clock hour. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Could you be any more impressed by my note-taking? I love that. Uh, coming up, what did we learn from the Suns win over the Warriors last night? We're going to ask Suns legend Tom Chambers his thoughts next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.